Welcome to the Step Back Podcast. Uh, apologies for being off the airways last week. We had some technical difficulties, which we have fixed this week by relocating to my kitchen. Uh, and joined by Jim Crook. Hello, Jim. Hello again. And Luke Bosch. Hello, hello. Welcome to you. Well, it's your kitchen as well, I guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome Spend to the kitchen. Time in here. <laughs> yeah. God, the things that have been cooked up in here. Yeah. And we are going to be cooking up some uh, NBA opinions for the oh, next nice. half hour or so. How exactly. long were you thinking about that one? Yeah, literally days. <laughs> <laughs> literally days. Um, it's the only reason we've moved in here. Exactly. Just for the pun, for the lone pun. But um, since you two, you're a Wizards fan, Luke. I am indeed, for my sins. And you're a Celtics fan, Jim. I am indeed. And two teams at the opposite end of the Eastern Conference spectrum. But I thought we'll go a bit in depth on your team, seeing as you know that's something you guys love to chat about anyway. Um, and should we start with you, Luke, and the Washington Wizards? Just give us a brief overview of how they're doing so far this season. Well, it's, it's a bit of a weird one for the Wiz this year because I think everyone knew we were going to struggle. John Wall out for most of the season, if not all of the season. Brad Beal was sort of the lone star. We had to let a few pieces leave, like Jeff Green, Trevor Ariza, that did reasonably well for us last year. We've got a, a young team, a hungry team. And our, you know our guard situation, having two of the smallest guards in the league, obviously everyone was looking at that going, there is no defence there. Yeah, and good. that has proved to be... Pretty true with Ish Smith and IT. Um, they're not exactly you know forces to be reckoned with. But on the offensive side, we've done surprisingly well. We were just talking about it. You know, we were very recently ranked number one for offense in the league and 29th for defense. I'm not exactly sure what it is now. I think it might have gone down. But we score points pretty well, pretty freely. And we've got some good plays. Really good three-point shooters as well. Brad Beal is shooting three well. IT is shooting it reasonably well. Both our bigs are, are players that play the five. Mo Wagner and, and Thomas Bryant can, can space the floor and you know we're doing better than I expected. We're just outside the playoffs currently, mm. I think. Uh, we've got a pretty hard run coming up uh, well, that we're in the midst, midst of right now. Sorry. Um, but it's optimistic times to be a Wiz fan, I think. Yeah, I think um, you predicted around 25 wins. Yeah, 25, to, the 30. Season. 25 to 30. To be fair, it's, it's fair to say you're, you're pretty much... Uh, on on pace for that, would you say? Well, I'd say well you, six, six, and ten. six and ten. So we're probably slightly above slightly that. Slightly above that, yeah. Um, um, but I think obviously Bradley Beal is the piece on this team that like that really makes them tick. Yeah. And uh, he is quietly like potentially taking yet another step up, like mm. without anyone noticing. I mean, the stat that jumps out here is seven assists per game. Yeah. Um, which you don't really consider him to be a traditional playmaker, but that is actually up there with sort uh-huh. of elite passing numbers. I think that's the thing about Brad Beal is like I think you've really seen his development as a player grow, like a both alongside John Wall in his like formative years in the league, and then in sort of the last two and a half without him, he's being like he's our guy, the go-to guy is Brad Beal, and he's matured as like not just a scorer, because we know he shoots the ball well, he dribbles the ball really well, but as a leader as well, and I think you can see that in his assists as well. Defensively, he leaves something to be desired, but which potentially takes him out of the top, top bracket yeah. of NBA players. But, I mean, what he brings to the team like overall is, is incredible, and I feel he's consistently underrated, maybe. By, maybe I'm biased, because he puts up numbers on a team that isn't really challenging yeah. for a lot. Oh, in the last couple of years, we have been challenging, I think. Well, I think as well with uh, with the loss of John Wall and especially with him out for so long, I think losing such a key player. But mm. obviously they've still they've got that contract on him. Everyone discusses about how how bad that contract is for the Wiz. But Beal, I think, has had to really step up and fill that hole 
that was left by John Wall, who was the like the key playmaker, mm. um, is the point guard. So obviously gonna have to step up in terms of playmaking assists. I know they've got a bit of help from Isaiah Thomas, who's mm. a, a pretty seasoned playmaker in and of himself. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. He's developing into a bit more of a shooter mm. this year. He's changing his game a little bit, shooting the three a lot more. I feel and uh, you you love to see it. I think not just what? Wiz fans, but it doing like getting regular minutes. Yeah. starting games it's so nice to see him in the yeah. league I mean Jim obviously as a Celtics fan you have yeah, like really that, fond memories he had that, that fantastic season I think it was 16-17 it just was completely unreal for us took his right to the playoffs and pretty deep in the playoffs as well I think mm. yeah he's been pretty solid from three just looking at his stats here 40% from three which is you know among the best mm. uh, in the league um, at, on only five attempts per game so potentially he could jack that up a little bit more definitely. actually I think he definitely could um, uh, Wiz, he's polarizing to Wiz fans because some think you know he's he's trash on defense and we should just play Ish Smith and Ish Smith is a nice piece you know he's a he's a seasoned vet as well oh, been around that's the league. Not what you've been telling me but for like he's, the past few weeks. But he's just that. Well, that's what I mean. Ish Smith is an is an okay like backup point is guard, it but he should he's not. Okay. He should he's just not good. <laughs> and it at least I feel as I have said to you I think it could get better. He yeah. I think it for me is still on the road to recovery. We don't know where that road will end to continue the analogy, but hopefully he'll get better and, you know, he's on a very small contract. Maybe he'll get traded to a playoff contender to be their sort of backup guy um, come the postseason. But Yeah, I've not loved what I've seen from Ishmith at no, all. Ishmith, like, I, I don't we love have chatted about Ishmith, this. Ishmith has like I think Ishmith is one of those players who if you like you watch the highlights, you'll be like, Oh, Ishmith's really fast, he's really like sure. athletic, you know, he can make like really like good buckets, crazy buckets from like under the rim and stuff. But like if you watch an actual Wiz game, he's a very frustrating player to watch. Yeah, I think that I think the reason he shows up in the highlights as well is because he's given so much of the damn ball. Yeah, and I don't know why they are why they put well, that in his I hands s- to be honest. Especially now it, when Ish Ish is uh, Ish is coming off the bench and It is starting. Our our like bench good scorers. Yeah. Talking about Davis Bertans, who's a pretty good shooter overall. He can be a bit hot and cold in games, which can be frustrating. Mo Wagner, Jordan McRae, CJ Miles. These are not guys. And these are not like ball handling guys. These are yeah. not playmaking guys at all. They're, most of them are just shooters. Definitely. There's, um, a lot of, there's a lot of catch and shoot in there. Yeah, basically. I mean, Jordan McRae, Mo Wagner from outside the arc or mid range. Uh, CJ Miles, Davis Bertans, all catch and shoot basically. Yeah. Uh, so Ishmith is the only guy that's getting the ball. For sure. Two more guys I wanted to touch on. Um, mm. Rui Hachimura. Yeah. Um, the was he the eleventh pick in the draft? Ninth. Pick, Ninth pick in the draft. Yeah. And um, you know he he's got a lot of minutes and a lot yeah. of ball as well. Uh, he's not always done the most with it necessarily, no. but always with a rookie you you you're prepared to give him time. Yeah. Um, watching watching Wizards games as you do like thoughts on Rui. Yeah, I like Rui. I like what I've seen. I think he's slowed down a little bit. Um, you know, we sort of with Troy Brown Jr. coming back from injury, Rui's been shifted from the f- three to the four, uh, with Bertans taking more of a bench role and Troy Brown coming in at the three, which coaching wise I don't love it as a move because I think Troy Brown will probably develop into a guard. I don't think he's got the physicality to be a forward long term. Rui I think is best suited as a three and I think we really we don't have like power forward depth uh currently. It's a real like weak position for us. Um, but I like what I've seen from Rui. He plays hard, plays with good energy. He's physical, like he can get amongst it. I know I've spoken to you before, but like you know, he went up against Andre Drummond a couple of times when we played the Pistons and, and held his own. And he's putting up some decent numbers. 
his points per game I think is lower than it was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, we're when at he was he was he was like he was around moment. third in rookies for right. points per game very early in the season. I think. Yeah, but that's dropped I off. I think it's dropped off a bit since yeah. then. Mm. Dropped off a bit since then, definitely. I know, especially um, like John Moran's picked up quite a lot. Of Tyler Hero's picked yeah. up big numbers. So, yeah, but I like what, I like what I've seen from Brewer. I think, as I've said, preseason and on the podcast, and when we chat about basketball. I think the thing about Rui is he's got like a pretty high floor, yeah. But his ceiling is potentially lower than some of the other guys, even the guys that were drafted after him. Sure. And um, the other guy I wanted to talk about, also a young player, was Thomas Bryan. Yeah. Who um, you're quite a big fan of. Yeah. And again, like offensively, he he's he's a very nice piece. Um, yeah. Can really he's got a really sweet shot, I think, especially from the mid range. From yeah. what I've seen. He's a, yeah he's a really good mid range shooter, and that's developed into. He's taking a lot. He was he started to bring in uh, some three point shots towards the end of last season. He's continued in that vein. He takes quite a few, I think. So his makes is not as high as it could be. Mm. Uh, but he's happy to take like relatively contested threes. Um, it's always good to see that kind of yeah. confidence in your guy. Exactly, and he plays hard. I think the thing, Jim. I know we watched the Wizards game the other night. Whenever he like makes a bucket and or like gets the dunk and like gets like an and one, he is hyped. And I think that's the sort of energy that he brings to the side. Is he's such a good locker room guy? I like him and Brad Beal have like a really good chemistry, like a bond, even though they've only been playing together for like a year. And Absolutely. he just, she seems like such a good guy. I um, feel like as well from what I've uh, what I followed, looking at the box scores and stuff, he seems to be a pretty consistent guy for you. Like mm. you can always back him up for like fifteen points or so every game, yeah. which is definitely crucial. Uh, in a sense yeah yeah. I mean his raw stats at 15 points per game and sort of 9 rebounds that's exactly what you want from this kind of I think yeah you you, you could argue that he could get if he was a bit more aware defensively those rebound numbers would could definitely be higher yeah Um, that is again the one part of his game that is a little bit lacking is defensively he can get bullied a little bit by the sort of you know the Andre Drummonds the the bigger guys in the league I feel like that is definitely the something that could come with a few more yeah, years experience definitely. he's like 21 22 so there's there's time for that yeah. and we are i think we're in a developmental stage you know i think if he has if he has another year as a starter well you know you're talking about next season when you've got like a fit john wall who knows how good he'll be but brad beal Rui playing the three probably hopefully we can draft trade sign a good like power forward and then thomas bryant or mo wagner as well yeah, at the five, both are pretty good. Mo Wagner obviously had that mental game where he put up thirty five points from the historic bench. game, <laughs> only bench player ever to get that sort of stat line. Yeah, um, yeah, which is uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Well done, Mo. But uh, yeah, so a good win recently against Phoenix. Suns, yeah, it's kind of a classic wizard game at the moment um, with massively high scores. Yeah. So that was one hundred and forty to one hundred and thirty two. But um, well, we're helped by the, the fact that Devin, Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio are unknown for their defensive qualities. Yeah, uh, to put it lightly, they're kind of a similar team to you in that sense in that they mm. absolutely score the ball like you know like nothing but they can't can't really defend to save their no. lives so um, but yeah that was a good good win for you and coming up next game LA Lakers League. yeah Lakers tonight as we record this podcast I think I, we're talking about it off air I think we could be in real trouble talking about AD <sighs> at the you know AD and LeBron going up against Troy Brown and Rui I think you know the boys could be in a bit of bother there and they are obviously really good defensively. Yeah. Um, I just think the size that the Lakers yeah. have, if you factor in AD, LeBron, you've got Kuzma as well. Yeah. Even then, you're putting in JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard. That's a lot of big, tall guys. So when you bring Isaiah Thomas or Ishmith into the fold, it's a 
could be bullied a bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't love that as a as a potential fixture. I think we could get hammered, uh, to use a, a British term. But overall, I think it's not too bad for the Wiz. I think my, my main worry for the Wiz this season is that we will do too well. Right. Currently, we're on to we're like ninth seed in yeah. the East, which for my money is utterly pointless. Ninth is that is that's a similar spots where you were last season. Yeah, as well, it, it is around where we were. I think we we ended up tailing off quite quite nicely um, towards the end of last <laughs> season. Conveniently, yeah. Um, and I know people do you know, like don't tank and whatever, but like if we're losing and scoring a lot of points, and you know maybe we're conceding a lot of points. If the games are like one forty to one forty five and we're losing, that's fine by me. Sure, we score if we're scoring points, that means players are doing well. Yeah, it's a lot easier to improve defensively, I think. Than offensively. Yeah, the other night recently, actually, I was watching a bit of the game. Was uh, the Celtics Wizards game? Yeah. You uh, you dropped one hundred and thirty points on us with us being supposedly like a top five team in the league on yeah. defensive rating, that kind of thing. So it's all promising. Yeah. I think with the pieces that we've got, I think we're currently overachieving, and I'd like to see us do a little bit worse to get sure. a good draft pick. Sure. What if you're in the ninth seed? Come like come All Star break, for instance. Do you start looking up a bit more? No. Nah. Because break? I just think we will we'll just get destroyed by any by the Bucks. Like yeah. The Bucks. The Bucks will destroy They'll us. They'll take you out in four. Yeah. But you've made the playoffs, <laughs> mate. <laughs> but there's I don't see that as being like I think the weird. You need to really look, be looking long term right now. Okay. Uh, like making the playoffs is is meaningless basically. Fair. Like it's a nice thing to say, oh, we're a playoff team, but in the East especially, like that carries a lot less meaning than it does in the West. And I think long term, if you're looking for the success of the the franchise, yeah. I think a help a good draft pick, yeah, uh, is better than finishing a good draft eight. pick and a fit John Wall, yeah, exactly. potentially coming into next season, and suddenly mm. you're looking at the seventh seed yeah. and a five game series. Yeah. <laughs> so, Very yeah. true. Are you um, the camp then where you think maybe even if he is fit, come all star break or something, you'd sit him for I the think rest of the season. Maybe you don't sit him for the rest of the season, but you sort of use it as like a. Obviously, we have actual preseason, but use it as sort of like a maybe he comes yeah. off the bench a little bit, gives, limited gives minutes. him limited minutes for you know the last 10 games 12 games of the season but obviously I'm I'm no doctor and no one around the league really knows when John Wall could be back yeah I think there's nothing sure. definite I'm quite excited for him to be That's back fair. though because yeah. I do I do remember in in maybe three years ago something like that when uh John Wall stock was, was 16 17 I John Wall stock was incredibly high yeah. uh essentially and you know they talked to I remember hearing a podcast one time. They were like, "Oh, there's there's Steph Curry, Chris Paul, and then like who's a better point guard than John Wall?" Essentially, yeah. and now you'd look around the league and you'd maybe you'd you know you'd point at Westbrook, Harden, Dame, and there seems to be quite a few. But basically, people have, have forgotten how good John Wall was. Yeah. Essentially, and although he's not necessarily a winning player in terms of playoff wins, yeah. championship wins, he's still really really good yeah. offensive. It's offensive gonna be player. it's gonna be difficult as well because I think the team that he was in when he was last fit and at his best is a much well much it's quite a bit better than the team that we've got now right so I think even if he does come back and he's fully fit especially this season you know before any you know trades in July or whatever his numbers won't be not as good because you know he's not playing with um, the likes of you know Trevor Ariza when he was fit in his first stint you know Gortat was a nice piece as well before he got bad um (laughs) Yeah, just playing with worse players, yeah. essentially. 
well, wish the best for the Wizards for the rest of the season, but let's transfer to the other end of the Eastern Conference. and The uh, the other end? We're ninth seed, mate. <laughs> man, come on, it's not... Yeah, I know. I there's know. a big divide. It's it's there's a, a big divide between the uh, the 13-4 and four Boston Celtics. Very impressive record, Jim. Potentially even giving us a little bit of injustice there. I think we've had, a, we've had some real problems with injuries so far. Yeah. Like, uh, obviously... Um, start of the season were going fantastically and then Gordon Haywood unfortunately broke his hand poor Gordon he, uh, he should be he should be back soon but even then we're just off the back of a, a pretty tough trip to the away to the Western Conference we had uh, some some hard games against the Suns and the Clippers was a, a long fought game went to overtime but I feel like it's, it's promising that we can take the uh, the Clippers uh, a Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi at that matter to uh to overtime. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because they've been super impressive, and we might just chat about them a little bit later. But um, just down your team with um, Hayward out because he was seeing a lot of the ball. So who's sort yeah. of taken up Hayward's touches? Well, we've seen um, also ignoring Hayward. Uh, Kemba had a little bit of a scare earlier this week. He's mm. come back and he's all fine. But um, we've had Marcus Smart is seeing a lot more usage these days. He's uh he's starting rather. He used to come off the bench a bit last year. But he's having an absolute storm of a season. His um his three point shooting is the thing that's like really aside from his defense. Obviously, you mentioned he could be yeah. DP of the year, but his three point shooting, his like attempts per game and like actual like makes have just gone up like dramatically. Yeah. He had a really productive summer. He's a, he's um he's an interesting three point shooter. Though. I feel like sometimes he might start the game. If he starts the game and he hits a three, you, you're going to know it's going to be a good game. Yeah. <laughs> but if he, if he misses his first one, he could easily go on a streak of like seven or eight shots that he misses. Yeah. But just, he seems to, to pull it out and hit the big ones when they matter. Yeah, just to provide the, the stats on that, he's taking two more three three points per game than he has like his whole career. Um, and he's making them at a, a similar rate to last year, 35% um, down from 36 but to be honest, that that's that's good enough to like keep you honest. Um, and if you're seeing a lot of the ball, make like making two out of six three point shots actually is quite a way to to get use out of it. Especially coming from a player who is like our biggest piece defensively, I think he is he is so important to our unit um, on defense. He, as he's described himself, he's a, a stretch six. <laughs> can, just, can defend any of the one to five supposedly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think if you if you can get a little bit of offensive potential out of a guy who is definitely clearly defensively orientated, I think that's fantastic. I think guys like Smart are really awesome. The guys who you sort of tune in for like for their defense essentially. Mm. That's why like there's this kind of cult hero worship around like Matisse Thybulle with um, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers and I, I just love these defensive specialists. Draymond Green's another one as well, yeah. of course. Um, who you Real tune in? On the court. Yeah, you tune in and you kind of you know. You, you're not looking up that end of the court you're looking down the defensive end for them to like make their impact and Smart has sort of Smart's been unreal like his whole career but this season he's been gone bigs um, in particular with your yeah. sort of lack of um, centre coverage talk, talk to us about the centre position because there's a lot of names but not necessarily <laughs> a lot of quality yeah it's, um, it's been an interesting one so far um, we obviously picked up NS Counter in the um, in the free agency period who He's a good pickup. I think offensively, he's he's pretty strong on the right matchup. But he uh, he had a bit of an injury for a while, so we were stuck with the big man Daniel Tice, mm, yeah. who in the past has perhaps been pretty poor for us. Um, who and he was losing out a lot of minutes to um, Al Horford and Aaron Baines, who have now both gone. 
But I think he's had a pretty good start to the season. He's he's doing a lot better. Maybe looking a bit more like his his former self when he just joined us. Yeah. Why? Did, how did you let Baines go as well as Horford? Um, did you just not want to I resign? Have, I don't. I have no uh, idea. Maybe it was a maybe the contract like a cap thing. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure. But Baines is having a storm run at the Suns, which is kind of yeah. sad and happy to see. Yeah, it's not. Mixed I really emotions. think if 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 there was a chance to resign, because it's not like he's on a massive pay packet at the Suns. I mean, now obviously with him playing so well, there's talk of like this big payday for Aaron Baines. But yeah. I really don't think it would have cost you all that much to resign him, and that yeah. could potentially be an oversight from um, Danny Ainge. Um, there is of course talk of you know maybe a pickup in the centre position. Yeah, I think if uh, if we want to make a serious playoff run, I think at the moment there's not much contention to the fact that we'll probably be in the playoffs yeah. despite any disasters that may happen. Um, but I think if we really want to go deep and maybe put up a, a championship contention, I think we need to pick up some experience in the centre position, someone along the vein of maybe Wacky Noah. Yeah, that's the name that sprang to mind for me. Some guy. I think we have enough depth there already that we can bring in someone who doesn't perhaps need... Masses of minutes. Yeah. You don't need to give him many minutes, but he when he's on there, he can make them count. Uh, especially for closing out the games, I feel like someone of that experience and stature could be uh, invaluable. Yeah, I don't know. My only thing with Noah is if if he was, I don't know, if he was better than Daniel Tice, surely he'd be in the league at the moment, um, rather than you know waiting for someone to pick him up. Essentially, I mean, this is a guy who went to trial with the Lakers and was sort of outplayed by Dwight Howard, who has had a really yeah. good start to the year. <laughs> Not to like knock it, but. You know, it's Dwight's hardly like the first name on the Lakers team sheet, is he? Mm. Um, I think uh, another look I've had at it is um, that since we have a player like Marcus Smart who can sort of defend, defend bigs, yeah, defend bigs. Maybe mm. we don't need to play with a, a traditional big in the team. We could pick up. I ain't picking up someone like maybe Kevin Love. Yeah, could be pretty nice. It's still a very defensively strong player. He's good in the post. Yeah. Um, I think he brings some well-needed championship experience to the team, but we could play love at the four and then play smart on the court, sort of defending the five, but mm. you know, yeah. playing a, playing his role. Play small, effectively. As a guard in, in yeah. the offense. Love would be an amazing pickup. You'd have to give up quite quite a few pieces to get him, I imagine. Yeah, but I you do have the have assets and the draft picks. I think yeah. we have a lot yeah. of young talent and a lot of picks. Do you? I don't love the I don't love the Celtics depth personally. Gee, I think Taco Fall at a, at a first yeah. round, that'd do it <laughs> for Kevin Love. Yeah. I think I, I mean think, you've um, got Carson Edwards is okay. Yeah, I think we have um a good few players that are sort of stewing and given a couple of years of experience that I think they'll be good players. I think yeah. Grant Williams has has a lot of potential as does uh, Romeo Langford and then Carson Edwards as he showed in preseason he has he has the chance to just absolutely explode mm-hmm. and drop three points three points slide to nothing yeah but I think uh, we need a bit more time a bit more development yeah. for those guys to really sort of show their real value I think the I big, sorry I think that I think the big punt that if if the Celtics wanted to make a big trade and a, and a big statement um, they've got Jalen Brown who I think. I don't know if you love Jalen Brown. I personally wouldn't be looking to pay him the max, which is what he wants. Uh, I don't believe he's, he's signed he a new just contract signed yet. Oh, he has signed a new contract. Oh, there you go. He's the off the table. But um, I think he, so far this season, he's having a, a, a really good season. He's putting up great mm. numbers. I think he's been really solid in uh, in offence and he, he does his job on the defence. Uh, so okay, I think yeah. I think he'd be a... I think he's a guy to keep for the future. I think 
he's on a steady incline in terms of uh, what he's providing for the team. And he's still young. Oh, it's true. It's just, yeah, I guess what, for me, when you're just looking at the Celtics, you're looking at guys like Semi Ogilvy and Brad Wanamaker are getting like serious bench yeah. minutes, and I'm like, that's not a situation. Well, Wanamaker's want. had had minutes, especially this week, for um, Philly yeah. and for Kemba. And, you know, he's not doing a terrible job. I feel like he's one of those guys who um, he's never going to be the best player on the team, but I think he facilitates it pretty well. I don't think he should take so many shots, perhaps in the future, but. Definitely, in terms of coordinating offense, I think he's got a bit of talent there. One guy who we should definitely mention is Jason Tatum, um, who I think it's fair to say has taken a step up uh, this season in terms of his uh, plus minus. He is he's doing twice as well as he has in his previous two seasons. Yeah, so he's he's the Celtics are plus eight when he's on the court as opposed to plus four um, the last two years, and he's taken a bigger responsibility. Um, more minutes per game, more points per game, more field goals made per game. Um, yeah, he's having a good season. Yeah, I think this season is a, just a testament to especially Tatum and Brown, the two Js, would you have it? Um, I feel like we acquired them in a similar kind of time. They're both still pretty young, but they're, they're slowly grow, growing into their roles in the team. They're definitely both on, a, on an incline in terms of getting better and better each year. And I feel like this year they're, they're really taking it to a new level. And Jason Tatum especially has a has a potential to be a superstar. Yeah, Tatum, Tatum for me out, out of those two, I think I'm, I'm more siding with you, John. I think Jalen Brown. I think he's one of those players. Maybe his athleticism carries him a little bit further because he's got a really good highlights package. Uh, as as does Tatum, to be fair. But I think Tatum is for me is just like you would love to have him on your team yeah I'm still sort of hanging on the to the 2017 playoff run where Tatum really like took the lead as a rookie mm. and took like LeBron James to seven games in the um, in the Western Eastern Conference Finals sorry um, and I'm yeah I'm still definitely sort of hanging on that um, I, I do think he has areas to improve and I, I, I'm not sure he's ever going to make it to the sort of very top of the league the top five players but I, I think I think That's not off the table. All star potential. In there, there is definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you say this season, Jimbo? Potentially. Uh, I don't. I think if you picked any player from the Celtics as a as an all star season, it's got to be Kemba. I yeah. Think he is. He is still that step above the other guys. Um, but I think I think maybe uh, give him a, f- a few years. Maybe he grows into his role a bit more. Starts becoming that guy who you could happily see drop thirty points a game yeah. whenever he wants to. Definitely. I think that by then he will definitely be an all star yeah. player. Kemba not not dropping too many assists this year. Yeah, I think it, it's been quite a shared load. You have um, you have we have quite a few guys on the team who are because I've looked at the assist numbers. Our assist numbers as a team are still pretty solid, yeah. sort of around league average, maybe a little bit higher. But uh, I think you have guys like Marcus Smart on the floor who traditionally would be more of a point guard as well. But I think he, he plays into that shooting guard kind of role to fit in for Kemba. And then um, you've still got Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum who are both pretty good passers of the ball as well. So I think uh, a lot of the load on the assists is shared sort of all over, which is a bit of a trend that we have as a team. I think points-wise it's very frequently you'll see perhaps even all five starters at least the big four of uh, Kemba Marcus Smart Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward when he's back any of those guys are easily solid for at least like 10 or 15 points a game and you'll see 
the load of the points being spread across the team quite a bit, I think. Yeah, and I think that sharing of the love, that's I think that is sort of a mark of uh, the Brad Stevens way of playing. Definitely. Um, he, he definitely likes to do that, and that's he, he does get the best um, out of potentially not always the most talented in the past this this season obviously he's got yeah. a very talented team well I think we definitely don't have the star power of teams like the Lakers with you LeBron and AD or um, Clippers, the Clippers yeah. either but I think as a cohesive unit it's really nice to watch us play well as a team and as a unit and watch the watch the success of that yeah just on a on a on a little tangent um, I wanted to know if you guys have been impressed also in the Eastern Conference with um, Toronto just sort of out of the blue and, and do you see them potentially as a as a threat to the Eastern Conference gym where maybe before I don't know before the season started I know personally I did not think they'd be this good yeah I think there, there are a lot of people that were saying now Kawhi's gone they're, they're sort of done as yeah. a team they've had their heyday and now they're gonna they're gonna drop back into sort of that eighth seed kind of territory that they they were in previously um, but I think well Siakam's taken a step mm. up Fred Van Vliet has come out of absolutely yeah. nowhere from, from the playoffs to where he is now I think he's possibly the most minutes per game in the league I think he's okay. playing yeah. the most basketball out of everyone sure. and uh, he's playing playing really well he's still got Kyle Lowry in there but do they scare you Jim as a Celtics uh, fan I know we we played them recently and we won <laughs> they do I wouldn't say they scare me but they're definitely a, a contender they've mm. definitely got um a bit of a, a bit of fight in them. The thing about yeah, the Raptors this year is like the one negative for them would be Mark Gasol is not playing anywhere near as well as he played in their sort of postseason run last year. I know he had that lockdown game on uh, Joel Embiid recently, which was unbelievably oh, yeah. nutty. Bagel, ridiculous. Bagel, yeah. Joel Embiid. <laughs> Zero points um, for Joel Embiid. But yeah, I think maybe they could slip Sergi Baca back into a starting role. I'm not sure. Um, coaching on that but I like their roster and I like their team OG Ananobi you know flying the British flag yeah. getting getting some good minutes and, and you know he's a pretty good defensive player could work on his offensive productivity a little bit more Yeah. Uh, but they're not to be honest John they don't scare me yeah. I, I mean as objectively as to someone that could challenge the Bucks sure. at the top um, I'd be more scared about Philly like clicking into gear Yeah. because I feel like this is like the best that this Raptors roster can do mm. whereas yeah. Philly I think can improve and should improve yeah. immensely. Yeah, I feel like you can look at that Raptors roster and think like, right, it's the fourth quarter, sort of even, who's going to take over the game and kill it? Yeah. Yeah. And in the past, Kawhi Leonard is that guy, he's notorious for it, yeah. in fact. Whereas now you look at that team and you don't think like, oh, Kyle Lowry's got in him, he's going he's gonna to ruin the game. Yeah, supposed to just that all down to Spicy P. Spicy P and FVV yeah. as well, I guess. Um, yeah, they've been doing a terrific job. I really love watching them. They're kind of like... Um, not a guilty pleasure I'm, I'm not sure like a neutral yeah, for the yeah. neutral they're like a team a lot of people are rallying around mm. I think um, a lot of goodwill uh, it's uh, interesting to see how, how well they're making use of that uh, that freed up shooting load that's gone from when Kawhi was there there's a lot of uh, a lot of extra shots for people up for grabs and it uh, looks like Siakam and Van Vliet have taken those happily yeah and they've been really fun to watch Right, that concludes our little Eastern Conference talk. We are now going to have um, just a word on Anthony Davis and the LA Lakers returning uh, to New Orleans um, and coming away with a tight victory and Davis dropping 41 points, which I believe is a record for um, a returning player on yeah. their first game. Um, guys, thoughts on um, how, how LA are doing and how LeBron... 
and um, AD have gelled so far. Obviously, with a 16-2 and record, can't be doing too badly. No. They're doing like remarkably well. Their defensive efficiency is highlighted all over the place for good reason. They're just, like as we've said before, they're just so big. Mm. They're just so goddamn big. Uh, and all of their players just are really good defensively. Like, if you like take their starting five, whatever, maybe with the exception of, of KCP, they are all known for being very good defenders. Danny Green, the epitome of 3 and D. LeBron, JaVale and AD are all exceptionally good defenders, all really physical. Yeah, well, um, LeBron has been this year, Yeah, should we say. Okay, yeah, last year aside, you know, he couldn't be bothered uh, <laughs> a little bit. Um, well, I think LeBron's definitely, he's shown everyone again this year why, like, he's he not is. He's not done. He's not done. Yeah. And he's, if anything, he's still going right at the peak. Yeah, he's, that, he's that he's monster dunk on Tice was disgusting. It was, it was mean. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, I've loved watching them so far. I love seeing LeBron like essentially just do his thing and really take games over like he he has done in his prime, and he does basically appear to, to still be in his prime. Um, and I, from Anthony Davis' point of view, I I do feel like his offensive production is actually a bit lower than I potentially thought it would be. Mm. Um, but on defense, I think he's been the number one guy for them. Yeah, and he really is a terrific defender and made two crucial plays at the end of this Pelicans game. Oh, that last yeah, steal. That yeah. steal. A swipe and a steal um, in their final two possessions. And, uh, yeah, that the um, Pelicans crowd really didn't like it. <laughs> um, can, can you understand where they're coming from with the, with the booze? Not really for me. I feel like AD spent his time there. He was there for was eight years, mm. maybe. It was, it was a long time, and I feel like the management at New Orleans clearly didn't put him up with uh, the sort of supporting cast that he needed to really succeed and I feel like it's fair enough for him to want to go looking for that championship because he is definitely that cal- calibre of player oh yeah, yeah. He's, he is like top five players in the league arguably, arguably so there's no yeah I think you're right Jim the, the organisation just they tried you know they tried to get to get Boogie involved they tried to get you know they sort of more Rondo prime Rondo um, involved but the pieces just didn't click into place and I think um, I think AD has every right to leave. He gave, as you say, he gave them like really good years of his career and didn't want to like waste the rest of it. To be yeah. honest, which is sort of fair enough. Are there any worries for you that just jumping out of this um, stat sheet against the Pelicans, LeBron played thirty eight minutes, Davis played thirty seven, and and those two consistently have played sort of mid to high thirty minutes, mm. and you compare that with the other team in LA who are really managing their their stars' time. Um, Kawhi's taking games off and George is being you know, managed back from his injury and they're playing nowhere near that, that amount of minutes per game when they are playing so does that worry you in terms of like an 82 game season it's, it's, it's a long time oh I mean I think LeBron is a complete fiend of an, ath- of an athlete he is, uh, he's got, got it within him to play 40 minutes yeah. a game for the whole season and the playoffs, I think should he I don't know I think I think he's very capable of doing it, and he still plays to the high standard. I know he had like the first big injury of mm. of his career last season. Yeah, but he seems to have come back from that completely fine. He's playing a uh, playing back to the level we all know mm. about. Yeah. I think for me, you want to start the season well, and you want to start on the right foot, and you do that by playing your best players and giving them high usage later on in the season when they are like guaranteed to all intents and purposes a playoff spot. Maybe Kuz gets a few more starts here and there. Because, you know, what a player to bring off the bench, Kyle Kuzma is. Like, yeah, he's a really bad, good player. Not bad um, at all. Uh, not bad at all. Uh, and I think that's, I think it's fine for now. Only time will tell 
if one of them gets an injury, then maybe you'll be a bit more smug. I yeah. Think more. <laughs> <laughs> I just think if it come the playoffs, if the Clippers win that series, every everyone's going to point to it. I'll. James looks tired. Davis looks tired, and, and I think if they yeah. do, they do need to turn down the minutes. So I don't think they're going to be in any trouble as a team. Like you could very easily give LeBron very low minutes one game, keep AD up there. I think whichever one plays more will easily carry the game by themselves. Yeah. yeah. With the supporting cast they've got available. Yeah. Well, this leads me to segue quite nicely uh, into the next point of discussion that has been raised in in the NBA world this past week. I've been positing several new rule changes um, that they've sort of thrown out there, seeing what the public reaction is, and uh, yeah, think about them. One of them is a mid-season tournament. So you cut down, you slash the number of games mm. from 82, you bring that down, I don't know. I think it was to 78, was what I read. Only down four games? I think so. That doesn't seem very it was, many. Down, it was down, like, not masses. Okay, well, what do you guys think maybe, about... Maybe that was including the mid-season tournament. I'm okay, sure. sure, sure. So, a mid-season tournament, it's sort of a, a knockout tournament, um, like a cup, essentially, like an English football cup. Yeah. Um, would you guys be on board with that? I I think that the mid-season tournament, I know I can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to add in a bit of hype mm. for the mid-season, but I, I don't quite see its purpose. I feel like... I, I've seen and read, which I'm sure you're about to mention soon, the, uh, the play-in to the playoffs, which mm. I feel like is a much better idea. But I think just sort of a mid-season tournament, I don't see masses of difference or I don't see why players would want to uh, want to compete to win. No, I, I agree with that. I don't see how a mid-season tournament has a lot of value. I know it's obviously designed to combat the fact that attendance is not as high as the, the sort of league officials want it to be and you know there are lots of calls and I semi agree that like the the 82 game season has lost a fair bit of meaning mm. because you can sort of know who's going to do what pretty early on yeah uh, and you know the playoffs are really where it's at yeah and 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 that's why you know players like Kawhi can game manage because mm. the season's so long but yeah I, I don't know I I'm, I kind of disagree with you guys here I I actually think a mid-season tournament would be really exciting. I, I, I do love the NBA and like I, I find interest in you know games every night, but I do just think a mid-season tournament could make it oh, yeah, a absolutely. lot more exciting I, around I feel Christmas. Like as a spectator, it would be would be great, but I feel like the only caveat would be that if you have a team that wants to compete for the playoffs, that you don't want to expend mm. all this effort and energy into a mid-season tournament, only to have to sort of slide back into the routine of the of the main season, the regular season. Unless perhaps maybe it, if you win the mid season tournament, maybe it guarantees you a playoff spot, something yeah. like I th- that. I feel like you need have need to have some incentive for the uh, those guys to come out and play their best mm-hmm. and put on a, a bit of a show. I feel like cups work in England and, and with football because you play different opposition. It's the the cups are, you know, between multiple divisions in England or the domestic cups at least. Obviously that sort of changed in the FA Cup and English League Cup are losing a bit of meaning because Premier League clubs tend to dominate it. But certainly the Champions League is a cup competition because you play different teams. That's the whole point of it. You, It's it's something different, whereas this would just be the same 30 sure. teams. Sure. So you'd be more interested if it was like crossed with the Euro League. Yeah, but <laughs> that's obviously not going to happen. Well, yeah, in theory. In theory. But that obviously works because in football, the leagues are more yeah, parallel. Yeah. They play the same game as well, whereas like, the rules yeah. are different the Euro League in the NBA definitely sure. that's why I, for me I would have more reservations about a mid-season tournament because it would be like I, just, sure. I would be like why I so think the other thing incentive is head, definitely the thing the Sorry. other thing in my head about the uh, 
the mid-season tournament is already, you look at the Premier League and the league in and, in and of itself, you don't have any championship game at the end. It's the team that's at mm. the top at the end wins. So if you have this sort of other format tournament where you have a knockout and there's like a championship game that's a bit more exciting for the players or there's something to fight for. Whereas in the NBA, I feel like a lot of the importance is held on not only getting to the playoffs, but then winning them. Mm. And I feel like if you have another competition, it's not going to immediately in players' heads and not be like, oh, that, means, that mid-season tournament is mine. Sure. Like they're, they're going to be working towards mm. the, uh, the end of the playoffs every season. I think it could add a level of, of prestige, though, to a certain team's result. I, I just like think about like if the Golden State Warriors, instead of winning... Um, three three straight champion, championships. Sorry, had won like three straight doubles, mm. um, including the cup tournaments. I don't know. I just think that like adds another layer to add, adds another layer of like uh, a chance for greatness. Essentially, yeah. Um, I can see that, but I just I don't know how teams how seriously teams would take it. Yeah. Well, there obviously needs to be some sort of big bonus. I mean, I think yeah. that. But what can you well, give? Draft draft odds potentially. Um, draft odds although then does, not stack, does that not then stack the draft yeah. further in favour of good teams yeah. which is what the whole point of the draft and the lottery is to avoid yeah I do think that I, I think agree with that. the one thing that would would give some incentive would be playoff spots Yeah, I think mm. somehow incorporating that into the tournament um, mm. would provide a bit more excitement because especially for say if you made the tournament more orientated towards those fringe teams those like 8th, ninth kind of seeds it suddenly becomes a lot more exciting for those guys to really have to battle it out mm. for their chance to get nearer the yeah. playoffs. I think one suggestion as well, because it would sort of be a, a, a tournament, sort of like a, a round-robin tournament, I believe. So everyone would sort of play the same number of games in this tournament and the winner at the end wins. But I think one suggestion was the wins in this tournament count for double in the regular season, um, mm. which potentially incentivised it a bit more. But um, again... I'm not I sure don't love that, that as a rule, yeah. personally. I think that, that trivialises it I too much like for me. I feel like the formula of the regular season and the regular competition all of itself works pretty well yeah. as yeah. it is. And I don't think the issue is with how the league is run. I know there's some discussion into like the seeding going into the playoffs, whether you seed it by conference or as like a, yeah. as a whole. Mm. But I think in terms of the uh, the actual regular season in of itself, I don't think it needs messing with too much. Yeah. Well, the other rule change, as you um, alluded to earlier, Jim, was the playoff play-in. So from between the seeds 7 and uh, 10, so 7, 8, 9, 10, there would be some sort of competition to um, arrange the, the two of them to play in the tournament, yeah. to play in the playoffs, yeah. sorry. So it's similar to sort of the wild card system in the NFL, if you guys... Yeah. Are aware of that sure. so where like if you like finish like towards the just on the periphery mm. you have to play an extra yeah. game to yeah. get into the playoffs so that, I think it's in the report the sort of the NBA kind of released yeah. all the news and stuff they called it a play in yeah. for the playoffs and it was that kind of format of I think the 7th and the ninth teams play each other and then the 8th and the 10th teams yeah. play each other right I could, or I, as you know it might be 7th and 10th and then 8th and 9th and ninth. that would make more sense I would, back, I would definitely back that um, as something to be implemented mm. uh, just gives more teams more games and you know adds further depth to yeah. the, how many teams get into the playoffs I think, I think the teams to be aggrieved there that may not like it is that kind of team that comes seventh and they've come seventh in the regular season and then suddenly they lose out to the tenth seed yeah and yeah. then the tenth seed is qualified when 
perhaps they they were better than the eighth team, but mm. just on the day. And it could be a big a big swing. Like they could have yeah. done. They could have been like five games better than the the tenth seed, I guess. But yeah, I, I really like this idea. I mean, it. You remember two years ago there was it went down to the final game. It was the Timberwolves Nuggets winner takes the the eighth seed, mm. um, and that game was a great game. Went to overtime. And that is essentially what you'd you'd get yeah. every year. I think more times yeah, four, more games that have like real tangible meaning. Stakes. I, yeah, stakes. When the stakes are high, I think you get great games. Yeah. You get really great atmospheres and the players are hyped and it's just like you get tingles. It's yeah. one of those games where you get tingles. And I think more of those, as you say, yeah. John, is definitely a better thing. And before that uh, Timberwolves Nuggets game there hadn't been one of those like that for 21 years. Mm. So it just shows how rare these are and mm. it would be great to make them a bit more of a, a common thing. Like, I, yeah. I think I'm completely behind Was this. there anything on about like how the uh, the series would work? Would it be a, a typical seven-game series or would it be shortened to, say, three or five? I think it would have to be short. I don't yeah. know, but it would have to be short because otherwise the seven through ten are playing a, a whole other series and surely yeah. that... That's, that's got to take a toll. Yeah, exactly. Because they play it in pretty short space of time mm, as yeah. well. Potentially, if it was a, a single knockout game, I would potentially... I'd think that would be quite exciting. Yeah. Uh, again, the, seventh, like, the seventh seed would feel even more aggrieved. Yeah, definitely, because I, anything can happen in yeah. one game. Obviously, the, the seed that's seeded higher yeah. will play at home. Yes. I think. Yes. But that's potentially really quite difficult for the team that's away. Maybe that's the price you have to pay for coming 10th. Yeah. yeah. But... I thought, yeah, that could be a, an excited single game, yeah. sort of. I just, I just like that. So, the, and the other rule change I read about was when you get to the conference finals, um, you take those four teams and then they play by regular season record. So the best record plays the worst record, regardless yeah. of conference. Um, so, yeah. and so basically, you don't end up with the like the Western Conference being a better series than the yeah. championship. So exactly, your final <clears throat> is. In theory, your yeah, your, your final two, yeah. is the two best teams. Yeah. So um, again, yeah, I I don't I don't hate that um, at all. I think just for me, as a sort of Rockets fan, I'm remembering um, the 2018 Western Conference Finals, Rockets mm. Warriors, which was essentially the NBA final. Um, the winner of that one was going to go on to face uh, LeBron's Cavs. Uh, must be in 2017 then. Yeah. It? So um, it'd be the seventeen eighteen season. Oh yeah, yeah, seventeen eighteen season. So um, yeah, and I, I think I do think that that Warriors Rockets um, series that went to seven games that would have been fantastic as an as an NBA final. Yeah. But I know people who do like the sanctity of the East West system. Yeah. And um, what do you think, Luke? I think you still kind of keep the sanctity of the East West system for the basically most of the season like every everything but the final series and i think for me personally i don't maybe it's because i'm not american and i'm not there but i don't really care no one talks about the milwaukee bucks were like the eastern conference champions or yeah. whatever like that doesn't matter mm. you don't you get like minimal for that i totally agree with so, that so yeah. yeah i mean i personally think you should play the whole playoffs based on that kind of seeding system I think it doesn't does it really matter whether you're Eastern or Western. I know it matters a bit for sort of flying around mm-hmm. and uh, going between home and away. But I feel like if you turned it into a, a real sort of competition where anyone could get to the finals, you don't have to go through that like ridiculous LA Lakers if you're Dallas Mavericks, say. But you could go through like the the seventy sixers, who you could argue there's maybe a bit of a small gap between those two teams. Mm. And I also think when you have the conferences arguably so imbalanced 
you end up with these teams like the Heat, maybe, or um, even the Raptors this year, who are, perhaps wouldn't scrape even like the quarterfinals mm. in um, in the Western Conference. They might make it all the way to conference finals in the East. So I feel like it might balance out the quality a bit more. Yeah, I think uh, essentially I, I want to see the two best teams in the in the finals. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and you don't always get that now. I think the arguments against it at the moment are because the schedules are east-west, they're different for the east and the west, so the east play east play eastern teams four times and western teams twice and vice versa, of course. So if the eastern conference is easier, it's easier to get more wins. So your win total doesn't necessarily represent yeah. your quality it's, as a that's team. That's when it becomes all right, so, really. But then I think if you just simplify the schedule... And make uh, you just play everyone the same amount of times. Essentially, mm. um, you get over that. And uh, yeah, I, I think, think like you could that. shorten the schedule, and then you play every. Say even if you played everyone twice. Yeah. That's still what fifty six games. Yeah, like that's still 50, there's quite a lot of games. games. Maybe you could work out a way to work in. Maybe you play everyone in your division twice as well. Mm. So the division still holds some kind of weighting. Then you know you brought down the number of games a little bit, but I feel like you play you're playing everyone, yeah, quite a bit. Well, it's interesting. I, I feel like uh, we should bring this to a little close, but there's some of the rule changes. Um, yeah, which potentially I, I don't hate. I, I think it's it's worth trying some new stuff for sure. Yeah, I'm mm. intrigued as to as to what they'll they'll decide on. Yeah, but I think we've been going uh, long enough for this episode. Uh, thank you for joining me in the kitchen. I know you didn't have to come far, but uh, thank you nonetheless. I uh, hope to catch up with you guys very soon. I'll uh, we'll see you later. Listener. Bye-bye. The Step Back Pod is hosted by John Rogers and brought to you in association with Ben FM.